0: That bass crashes in. You know, it's time to begin. You're listening to DLC, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in. Hey, are you one of our geeks in sneaks out there using this podcast to help you through a workout or a run? We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90-plus minutes talking games because DLC is on, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, casper they made that possible bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about gaming in its many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles and also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who will be joining me live on stage at PAX South on Friday, January 29th at 12.30 p.m. in the Falcon Theater,
1: Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Uh, and up top, thanks. People seem to like my uh, dumb Halo pitch. They really, they really did. did. They it was a good one. It. Yeah. It's in the end of episode 101, which if I have any more pitches, which I do, I am going to uh, pay your VO promo rate, Jeff, and have you read them. Because as I was reading it, like I heard you doing it and i'm like this is why am i this is bad i'm bad at this (laughs) i
0: uh my rate is very reasonable christian and um (laughs) i just i literally just did a a video game vo thing uh last week i'm very excited i can't tell you what it's for yet but um i'm really excited about it was
1: it was it sag no (laughs)
0: I mean, yes, if they're listening, it was. (laughs) Okay, Uh, we got lots to talk about today. We can't dilly-dally around getting Jeff in trouble with his unions. Um, We have so much to talk about, tons of news, games to be played, games to discuss, and we have an awesome guest because this week, well, you know, DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but I am excited because this week DLC stands for Director for a Laudable Cause. Because not only do we have the former editor-in-chief of The Escapist, as well as the founding editor and former features editor of Polygon.com, we have a guy who is is truly making the world a better place as the co-founder and executive director of an extremely important and necessary organization in the gaming world, TakeThis.org. I'm so happy to welcome Mr. Russ Pitts to
2: the show this week. Hey, Russ. Hey, Jeff. Thank you for such a warm welcome. It's absolutely my pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I've been a fan of your writing, and uh, and now your are really what is charity work at this point, you're, your organization Take This that you co-founded um, for a long, long time, and I'm so glad to have you here to talk about it a little bit, but tell us what Take This does.
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, it's actually kind of uh, overwhelming at times to sit back and think. I've been in media my whole life. I've worked in television, uh, film, web, and web most recently. But I'll, I'll sit around with my wife and, and, and co-founder at Take This, and we'll, and you know, after a, after a lifetime of of sort of spending all of our energy to make people happy, which is which is a, a valuable thing in and of itself, we look back at what we've done over the last three years with Take This, uh, changing lives, saving lives, uh, and it's a whole nother, it's just a whole another level of helping people out, and I'm just so thankful to everyone who's been supportive of the org. Uh, and everyone who volunteers their time. Uh, take this as a mental health uh, nonprofit organization. So our mission is to advocate and educate about mental health issues uh, in our community, in the video game community, and uh, and to help lessen the stigma of mental health issues. So.
0: Yeah, I, I love the the central metaphor of the name of the organization. You know, you talk about uh, the Legend of Zelda when Link is going out into the world. The first thing he gets is his sword, and he has said. He's told, "Take this. You'll need it." Uh, and and you guys view yourselves as a, a similarly useful tool out in the in the world. And that is that accurate?
2: That is entirely accurate. Yeah, we realize that uh, a lot of people who deal with mental health issues they they feel alone. They feel like they're the only one uh, who's experiencing what they're experiencing. Uh, and as people who deal with mental health issues ourselves, we know that's absolutely not true. Uh, in fact, roughly one in four people in the U.S. deal with some mental health issue directly, uh, and when you include people whose uh, family or friends uh, deal with mental health issues, that number goes up to approximately 100% in America. So we know that it's it's very common. Uh, most mental health issues uh, are extremely common and are uh, easily helped, and there is help out there. So we started to take this to let people know that it's it's okay to not be okay, and, and a lot like Link, you know. In that game, there's monsters in the in that world. And there's monsters in our world, and sometimes they're monsters we have to deal with. Uh, And so our hope is that Take This can be something that helps people deal with that.
0: It's pretty great, man. It's pretty great. So tell people uh, that might be listening how they can get involved, either uh, if they need help themselves or know someone that needs help, or if they want to volunteer uh, money or time to to help the cause.
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, TakeThis.org is our website, and we publish stories there. Uh, some by people uh, whose names you might recognize about issues that they've dealt with and, and things that have helped them. That's a good resource uh, for any any kind of question you might have. We have stories there published by our doctors. We have lots of doctors in the organization. Uh, stories like how to find a therapist or uh, what you know when the when, it is, when is the time to look for help, stuff like that. And if you go to our page at uh, take this org slash donut, donate, I'm sorry, <laughs> slash donut would be awesome if you want to yeah. send us donuts. I'll make sure we put that up uh you know later what? today.
0: That, that might help my personal problem, but I don't
2: think that, <laughs> yeah, that's useful to most. i on, making a note for our web editor, take this org slash donut. <laughs> um, but donate is where you want to go if, if uh, you have some money you want to send our way. That'll help us keep the website running. That'll help us get to... Uh, events like PAX, where we run uh, quiet rooms where people can take a break. Uh, We're doing six events in 2016, so that will be a big help. And if you have, you know, if mental health issues are something that uh, you take seriously and you want to help us out in in a more direct way, take this.org slash volunteer, and uh, there's a form you can fill out that will plug you into our system.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, well, um, I hope people do take the time to visit the site and learn more about it because it, it's something that is, I think, uh, really special and uh, specifically targeted to our community, which is, I think, uh, what makes it so endearing to me personally. So, um, check it out, take this .org. Uh, we're going to move on to the rest of the show because we have tons to talk about. There is uh, two major. Events that happened this week, the Game Awards and uh, PSX, the PlayStation Experience that happened in San Francisco. I, I think normally what we would do is uh, Story of the Week and we'd pick stories uh, overall. But I think we're going to break it down and we'll do Story of the Week uh, for each of those events because there was so much news that came out of both of them. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter, DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Russ, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. We're going to start right with the the Game Awards, because that happened chronologically first. Uh, Lots of news and world premieres and uh, the winners themselves. I'm curious what you consider to be... Your favorite story from the Game Awards?
2: Wow, that was a that was a chock full event, man. That there was so much that came out of that, and, and to the point where the awards themselves almost felt like uh, almost felt like an afterthought. Uh, yeah. But uh, and I and I don't want to dig into the awards. I'll, I'll leave that to, to to one of you guys uh, because I think there was some controversy there and some things that were expected. But the biggest thing for me, just as a fan, was the Psychonauts two announcement.
0: Yes, we hear that Psychonauts 2 is coming from Double Fine. It is going to be crowdfunded, but crowdfunded in a way that they have never done before through this new service called Fig, which purports to allow donators to actually have a stake in the success of the game. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the game first. Um, Russ, you picked this, I'm assuming, because you're a big fan of the first Psychonauts?
2: Huge fan. Uh, it was, a, it was a, just a super exciting and surprising game. Uh, I think you know. I think the game itself, and this this is something I'm hoping that, uh, that they're aware of for Psychonauts 2, and they know they have a little bit to prove. The game itself, a little shaky, not necessarily the smoothest platformer, but so many great ideas and narratives. And it's funny, I was actually at uh, PAX Prime this year, uh, having drinks with Tim Schafer, and talking about totally different things. And, and actually, we were talking about Take This, and and we Psychonauts came up, and we talked about it because it is a game in which you you know, uh, project yourself into people's minds to, to fix the issues that are bothering them which uh, I, mean, I guess when I played it I had no idea we were going to start take this but uh, something has always spoken to me mm-hmm. uh, we had a good you know, a good few, four or five minutes talking about that game and the whole time I had no inkling that Psychonauts 2 was coming but you could tell you could tell <laughs> looking in Tim's eye that he had a twinkling of a secret and now we all know what that is <laughs> and I'm so cool. excited
0: uh, Christian, how about you? Are you? Were you a fan of the first Psychonauts?
1: I played it originally when it came out. I never completed it. I remember being like, this is fun. And I forget exactly when it came out, but I something pulled me away from it, be it family or life or I don't know what it was. But I was like, this is really fun. And then I was like, put that away. And then I came back and I was like, what? I'm going to get like a key that's funny or something or I'm on a boat. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> and I put it away. I bought the HD remaster that came out, what, last? On 360 or whenever it was. And I only got, like, two hours into it, and it is a game that I think is best left with fond memories. I personally do not think Psychonauts 1, aside from the writing and the wit, but the gameplay I do not think holds up incredibly well.
0: I think that's probably true of a lot of these games that we're seeing um, have new life breathed into them. Uh, I think that people's memory of the specifics of them is a little hazy and probably with rose-colored glasses. Hmm. Um, As are the graphics. As are the graphics. But, But I think what What everybody loved about Psychonauts, uh, as Russ touched upon is is this concept, this idea that was so fresh and so interesting and my hope we don't know any details about what the sequel is going to be, but my hope is that it will retain that aspect and be infused with a, a more modern take on on the gameplay, and that you know it'll it'll be it'll be both the best of both worlds um, it, Russ, is there any fear that this game won't live up to expectations for you?
2: Oh, I think that's absolutely the number one fear, right? Because that's it's exactly what you said. There's a lot of uh, nostalgia, there's a lot of rose-colored glasses. There were some truly terrible uh, parts of that game. Uh, it was all, you know, parts I remember having to just struggle through because the gameplay itself was so brutal, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the story and the idea was so fresh. The, the velvet painting level, for example, or the meat circus, don't even get me started on the meat circus. Yeah, It was so much about that game that was just painful that it was almost a relief to get through the gameplay and experience more of the story. So I think the I think the possibility is very high that if, if the game is, is just a straight-up, you know, retread, people are going to, you know, there's a lot of folks who are super excited however many years later uh, that will probably be disappointed if it's the exact same thing. So I'm hoping, you know, Double Fine has matured a lot. Uh, I know Tim has matured a lot personally. In fact, one of the things he said to me when we were talking was that he was you know a lot younger when he made that game and there were some mistakes that he wished he could come back and and readdress so i, I think i think there's a really good chance that it's going to be uh, better than the first will it overcome the 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 expectations that are built in uh, at this point i don't know it's hard to say
1: can i ask yeah. for the controversial game opinion uh, do you guys like any? How much do you like Double Fine, or how much do you like the idea of Double Fine? I love the idea of Double Fine games. I have not really liked most of them. I'm like, this is fun, and then I'm like, done with it. Am I alone?
2: I. You know, I would have to. Uh, I would be closer to agreeing with you than disagreeing with you. <laughs> I think. I think a lot of the a lot of their recent success, particularly a lot of their their crowdfunding success, has been based squarely in that nostalgia. And I think when you're dealing with an adventure game uh there's a lot more room for the the things that make uh, Tim's design specifically special right uh, so when you're dealing with a with a, a a proud platforming adventure game, there's a lot more emphasis on uh, getting the gameplay solid, which uh, I think it'll be interesting for, to see if they if they're at a point where they can make that happen
0: a lot of agreement in the chat room for you uh christian um I you know I I kind of tend to agree with a lot of that as well. I think their ideas are spectacular. You know uh, what was that crazy Russian stacking game? Oh, stack stacking stacking. stacking. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing idea. Execution. I just I wanted to love it more than I did. Massive chalice is phenomenal. I think highly underrated and didn't get enough attention um uh what, what else have they done recently the broken that,
1: age is there broken
0: Age was great what? broken age was great Real,
1: I, I don't know i feel like it was so close to being better than good i don't know if i would ever go to great but i think it was because of the way that it was kickstarted and then the two-part structure and then retreading which i know is kind of the point of the game <laughs> uh But, yeah, I don't know. I really – I'm really, really glad that Tim and Double Fine are making games because I do think they inspire other people to do weirder, quirkier things that maybe otherwise wouldn't exist. But to me, I think the modern Double Fine is brutal legend where it's like, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be the best thing. It's okay. Neat. (laughs) And then I'm done with it and I don't remember it. Um, And I I would love for them to you know, be Day of the Tentacle or whatever it is where it's not only an awesome, funny idea – but it's a thing that just shatters expectations and melts your mind with, you know, the way it reinvents a genre or plays with the genre that's been established for so long, or whatever. Whatever they do. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on this
0: one story because there's so sure. much to talk about. But I do want to ask you guys quickly what you think about this new kind of crowdfunding. do you feel like now the details of how one would get any money back from from uh, a contribution to this? are pretty uh intense <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of detail there and there's a lot of uh, the game has to do very very well for any of these backers to see any kind of real financial gain uh and anybody thinking of it as an investment is is really l- looking at it wrongly but do you think that there's something to the idea that you might get some money back if the, the game does really really well that is a move forward for the crowdfunding genre
2: I think so, and to me, that's that's even more exciting. About that's the even more exciting part of this announcement than uh, than the fact that we're that we're going to potentially get a new Psychonauts too. I I guess more than potentially, Uh, this whole Fig thing, it's inevitable, I would say. But the the trick is making it work right, because I've I've talked to a lot of people who invest in video games uh, uh, as capital investors, and there really aren't a lot of them, and most of them are aware when they give the money that they're probably not going to see it again. The the margins are so tight in video game making, um, but there are people who need investment. It's, it's a dramatically under-invested market, uh, and on the other hand, you have so much activity in crowdfunding that meeting that in the middle somehow allowing people who you know don't know anything about the stock exchange or traditional investing uh, but have lots of money to give to sort of meet in the middle with these folks who are traditional investors who can drop a, a million or two and not worry about getting it back that had to happen eventually, and I think uh, I think the, the founders of Fig knew that, and and they're they're well positioned to to try and build that bridge. I'm not sure if it'll work, uh, but I think in order to serve, in order to allow creative people like Tim Schafer and a lot of indie developers who have great ideas aren't super good at business. There's so many indies now, and the indie movement has outgrown its ability to sort of manage its own business portfolios that something like Fig is going to have to work to allow this creativity to survive.
0: Christian, you want to weigh in on this one? Uh,
1: not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Russ had a lot of good points. I'm optimistic. I think we're in such a weird place in the video game world right now that whatever I say, I feel like I'm putting my foot in my mouth. <laughs> I'm hopeful, hopefully optimistic that this works out. But I personally would not put any money into something like this because it, it seems crazy. I've, I'll put it in the S&P 500. <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't need well, Psychonauts too. I, I think it.
0: that it, I, what my recommendation, if anyone's thinking about doing this and is looking for any kind of recommendation, is it, put money into it in the same way that you would put money into Kickstarter or Indiegogo or anything else. If, if you want to donate to see this get made, go for it. If you're hoping that this game actually comes out, go for it. I think – Putting it in with an expectation that you'll get anything in return is is a little foolish at this point. But having that hope would be nice. Having the hope that the game is a smash hit and then you see some return on your investment—that would be cool. But it's not really an investment. It, it still is more of a donation. And I think that's smart to keep that in mind. Um, Christian, do you have a do you have a Game Awards story of the week? Telltale
2: Batman. Telltale Batman. <laughs>
0: I kind of suspected that might be yours. Uh, you, you, you ha- two of your favorite things mashed up into one. Um, but y- you know, you have been a little bit sour on some recent
1: Telltale, have you not? Yeah, I have. I feel like I've seen how the sausage is made in Telltale, and the games are often very similar, where it's uh, summarized briefly as. You're a person. You find a group of people. You don't trust the group of people. You have to decide which person in the group of people to backstab. Someone in your group of people dies. You move on to a new group of people. Repeat.
0: So Robin, then. Robin is what you're saying. (laughs) This is going to be the Jason (laughs) Todd story.
1: Uh, (laughs) um, But it's hard not to be excited about an IP you love so much. It's like you know me. I've talked about Battlefront. Would I play it if it wasn't Star Wars? Oh, God, no. But, uh, man, I do love, uh, I love Star Wars. I love Batman. Uh, I love Batman. And Batman, I think, works in a world of gray decision-making, where are you doing the right thing, are you not? I'm curious. I don't think they've said if you are controlling Batman. I think they said you dive into the world and psyche of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Uh, um approach could be interesting if you're you know, a cop on the force, whatever, whatever. Um, oh, I but- think that would be
0: a... I think if you're not playing as Batman, I think it's a opportunity. You think opportunity. it's a miss? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea of a a traditionally action oriented video game character taken into a story. I mean, he comes from comic books, right? He comes from a storytelling medium. Bringing him back to a storytelling medium, I think it would be awesome to play as the detective Batman in a you know in a situation where he has to solve the puzzle by thinking is is rad. I'm sure there'll be some as- action aspect to it,
1: but I just know that if um... Uh, two people are in tubes hung over a rocky crag of a mountain and they're about to be dropped out and he has to choose which one to save Nicole Kidman or um, the guy from that NCIS show he he saves them both (laughs) (laughs) is that Batman Forever? I think it was Batman Forever I I don't remember I try to not remember and Chris Uh, O'Donnell is his name I know his name I just think it's funny to call him the guy from whatever you're talking about LL Cool J right (laughs) Um
0: Russ, what's your what's your take on uh, Telltale Batman?
2: I'm going to have to be the contrarian here. I think I'm at a point of uh, Batman fatigue. To be oh. honest with you guys, I'm a, uh, now. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Batman fan. I, I played the Rocksteady Batman games till uh, till t- 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 the discs fell apart. Uh, I've I read bat, bat comics extensively. Uh, seen all the Bat movies. Um, uh, I think I'm to the point, and, and and I actually kind of enjoy the take, the the uh, Batfleck take on on Batman in the new Batman versus Superman film, but I think I'm at the point where, yet another you know way of telling the Bat story, I, I just feel like there's there's not enough, and this is this for me, and and I, and I know I'm I'm totally out in the wilderness on this, the the DC characters tend to become weaker the more they're explored. I don't <clears> feel <throat> like there's a lot of heart. Uh, underneath. They're extraordinary humans. Okay, how, how, you know, how many different ways can you tell the story of an extraordinary human? I don't know. I'm not super excited about the Telltale Batman game. Like Christian, I've noticed the same the same Telltale formula. Uh, so, I'm... I, I would have to say super ambivalent is where I am. Interesting.
0: Super ambivalent man. Um. Let's well, not get into his backstory, though, because once you learn about it, you just don't care. <laughs> I just hope this Batman Telltale game is an origin story because that's what we need. No, no, I don't think it will be. Uh, I like what. Which parent
2: um, do you save? No.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Press X to mourn parent. Um, uh, uh, I like. I like what Derpy Derp says here in the chat room. He says, uh, "Telltale is pretty much doing every story, uh, a story with every IP. Matter of time when they make one for Halo. I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't mm. know, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. We're at. We're. We run the risk of
1: having too much Telltale for too many things. But I think a Batman thing could be cool. I think the way you do it, though, is if you're not us, you don't play all of them. And if you're just, you have an iPad or a PC, you're like, oh, I love Borderlands. And then you play that and you love it. I love Game of Thrones. And my older brother plays that and loves it. Whereas I, you know, I'm like, I loved this. I'm going to keep playing. Why do I keep playing these? (laughs) Yeah. Um,
0: My favorite thing from the Game Awards, I think, is got to be the Far Cry Primal gameplay trailer. I I know we've seen Far Cry Primal before, which is actually not easy to say Far Cry Primal. Uh, But, um, this idea of being a beastmaster, oh, sign me up. I could not be more excited for this game. I love the idea that there's no guns in this world. Um, I you know it seems like there's a lot of arrowing and uh spearing, so it may be just a an analog for guns, which is unfortunate, but it, it seems to better me, though well, it seems to me like using these animals and uh you know being the Beastmaster it will have a impact on how the game feels. That you will actually be doing that more than other stuff. And I think that looks really, really cool. The only thing that I didn't like out of this trailer is we you know, we were just joking about press X to mourn parents, but it, it really is press square to tame animal. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity. I think having some sort of minigame or Even animal-specific taming quest would be so much better than just walking up to—throwing the meat down, walking up to the thing and pressing a button to tame it. Like, make me do something epic in order to gain mastery over specific animals in the wild. I think that would make the game feel so much better. Um, Russ, what do you think about Far Cry Primal?
2: Uh, Ambivalent Man, uh, back, <laughs> is back here. <laughs> like, on the one hand, I, I, I like the Far Cry, uh, IP. It's hard to call it a franchise. I like that they seem to be trying new and different things with it. Uh, that's a little unique, I think, from Ubisoft. Uh, and I like what they did, you know, I, I like almost everything they're done with the Far Cry, uh, IP. And this looks fantastic. You know, like I said, it's it, Far Cry Beastmaster. It's, it's, Hard not to like a game that, that lets you uh, sort of master these animals and, and deploy them in battle. Also, a no-gun game, you know, that's great. We need more of that. Uh, I, I love my shooting, but I, I think trying so many new and different things is, is part of what I love about Far Cry, It's and it's part of uh, why I like this game. But at the, at the core of it, I'm, I'm afraid that it, I'm afraid that what you called out—the press uh, square to master and, and similar effects—I'm afraid that that will be too much of the game and that it won't won't really be that that exciting. I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm ambivalent. Man. What can I say?
0: <laughs> Bitten by a radioactive ambivalent.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, The are you? hedge bets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to see how the conflict is brewed in this game because typically Far Cry, it's you have a crazy dictator or warlord or whatever and they have their you know unlimited supply of people that you mow down and you need to take over territories and climb up a tower and get this awesome panoramic you know 360 view and then you keep going and tribes and mountains tribes and mountains i know but it just seems weird because they're not speaking any real language and it's all subtitled so here's this like ancient primal species that like grunts and whatever but like they have enough of a language to Have evil tribes and to have you not like them Like how are you wrong did they kill your mom Did they steal your baby I'm curious And I know that Far Cry Well I do think they've had interesting plot points I don't think anyone ever said Dude you gotta play Far Cry 4 because of the plot The way they reveal who His parents were and what they were involved in Nepal or you know Crazy Uh, that's not where you're playing that game But I don't know if this will have enough of a plot Hook I I think it was last week I talked about Like that really helps me get into a game So I'm curious to see how they address it and um but I think it's a great time to come out. It's February, right? Which I think is the perfect time to far cry. So hopefully it's dope. <laughs> um
0: before we move on, I, I think we should have a quick survey of the actual awards themselves. Um eh. the big the big winner was Witcher Three. It cleaned up, got game of the year, role playing game of the year, best uh developer. Um You Christian, you can uh you can you know cry uh you predicted it with splatoon winning best multiplayer game i think that you had had called that out last week and to you for best shooter we did well yeah um i was really excited to see her story get best narrative i thought that was pretty wonderful um any other surprises or comments you have russ on on any of the games
2: you know i think most anticipated game no man's sky uh is right on Mm -hmm. uh i think and it's and it's one of those weird situations where no one's really sure about, the, you know. It's I think anytime you, you you stretch a genre or the medium to try and do something no one's ever done before, it's going to be either scary uh, or hugely anticipated. And, and the, I think at the, the core of that is nobody knows, right? The
0: one uh, the one award that's a curse
1: is yeah. like the most anticipated game.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And It is. I mean, and I don't have to say just just from you know pulling people I know and talk to and and, and the audience response I've seen, it is hugely anticipated, but. I think uh, that, you know that bubble could could very easily burst, and I'm I'm just waiting to see more about what it's going to be.
0: A uh, big congratulations to friend of the show Greg Miller for Trending Gamer and a fantastic speech he gave. We were happy to see that. Um, any other quick hits, Christian, on the winners, or should we move on?
1: I think best family game Super Mario Maker. I think uh, Bone Time. Let's Make a Family. The AO game that came out on uh, PC only got robbed, and um, <laughs> yeah best family game is uh best nintendo game right Right, that's the best nintendo game category i think it was a a great very competent award show i don't think it had the hits or the sizzle that last year's did in terms of like exclusives reveals trailers i think the kojima konami thing was the biggest like tmz moment of the show but jeff Keeley continues to put on a respectable award show and i'm glad he does it but if you didn't watch it i don't think you missed anything
0: All right, let's move on to the other huge event, which is PlayStation Experience. But before we do, I do need to thank our sponsor, which is Casper. Uh, If, uh, man, all these games are wearing you out and you need a cool place to sleep, Casper's got your back, literally, because you lay on your back when you sleep. See what I did there? Casper is a maker of premium mattresses, but buying mattresses can be such a pain If you've ever tried to buy one, you know that they're really, really expensive. You go to the store. You're assaulted by salespeople. There's a a sea of mattresses all around that all look the same. You lie on a couple of them for about 38 seconds, and you go, oh, this feels all right. And then you spend a fortune. You bring it home. You you sleep on it a couple of nights, and you go, oh, I made a huge mistake. Casper solves all of those problems. It's an online-only store, so you're not having to deal with any of that assault from from salespeople. All you got to do is pick the size of mattress you want. They're much more affordable. We're talking like 500 bucks for a twin size, 950 for a king size. These are mattresses that are usually thousands of dollars. Uh, it's, it's a great price point. And you'll be able to try out the mattress for 100 days, 100 days before you have to decide whether or not you want to keep it. They deliver it right to your door in a box you uh rip open the box it unfurls it's super easy i've done it i have a casper it's they're comfortable nice mattresses that are you can get for a fraction of the cost and you don't have to decide if you're going to keep it for 100 days you can sleep on it for three months longer than three months before you decide whether you like it or not and then if you don't like it they make uh, the return so easy you don't have to put it back in that box they come to your house and take it from you it's great and guess what because you listen to this show, we're going to give you a fifty dollar credit. We're gonna give you fifty dollars off your mattress. All you gotta do is go to Casper.com slash DLC and then use the promo code DLC at checkout. You get fifty bucks off your first purchase. It's great. Check it out. Most people I know, including myself, when I when I I went all through college and then the first few years of out of college, all on the same mattress, and I was starting to have Uncomfortable back problems, and I never really put it together that it was my stupid mattress was too old. I got a new mattress, I'm sleeping more soundly, it's so much better. $50 off casper.com/slash DLC. Use that promo code DLC, they'll know you listen to our show and it helps us out. So please try that. All right, guys, back to the show. Uh, Let's talk about PlayStation experience. If the game awards were a bunch of announcements. It was dwarfed by the number of announcements at the PlayStation Experience. Um, so, Russ, what would you say is your story of the week from PlayStation Experience?
2: You know, I would have to say uh, there's so much to choose from, right? It's mm-hmm. it's like PlayStation sort of knows that they have the lead in the uh, – I don't want to be trite, but the console war, uh, and they're just driving driving the nails in the coffin. They just came out with so much I would have to say, though, for me, uh, Res is a huge announcement. Oh yes. Um, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't say that necessarily as a fan of Res. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with it and I played it, uh, and it was innovative and unique. What makes this announcement uh, that Res is coming to PlayStation VR, uh, which is which is kind of huge, and, and and the whole PSX seemed to be just a doubling down on PlayStation VR, which is nice uh, as a observer of vr i've been waiting for someone to really come out and support a vr platform with the games and i think what sony did here at psx was say here they are right mm-hmm. like if you've been on the fence about vr uh well here's a lot to help you decide uh and, and we're going to support it in a way nobody else is which is huge but what i like about res is the suit, right? The <laughs> yeah. Suit. <laughs> well, sadly,
0: none of us will be able to buy that suit, but yes, the suit looks insanely cool.
2: It looks so cool. I actually, and I actually wrote a piece, uh, for the Escapist many years ago, uh, called, uh, okay. Computer. And it was all about, uh, digital interfaces with technology. And, and, uh, and it was a little racy. If it, you know, parents, uh, you know, read it before you let your kids read it. Um, but it was all about how people are coming together over technology and using technological interfaces to, to facilitate you know human interactions that hadn't been possible in the past. And the idea of this fully connected you know bodysuit is I mean they've existed for years, but to see them using one in such a, a visceral way, in such a fun way at PSX was just amazing to me. I really liked it.
0: Yeah. So you're referring to this this suit that has twenty some odd vibrating pieces on it uh, that will give you feedback as you're playing Res Now, Res is famous for you know even in the I think on the Dreamcast and certainly on the Xbox 360 having those that kind of functionality with controllers where you would hold on to controllers and they would vibrate in certain ways giving you feedback. Now they've trans uh, they've translated that to an entire suit. Uh, and everybody I've talked to, I talked to a bunch of people who are at PSX this weekend and everybody who tried it said it was life-changing. It was <laughs> completely totally immersive and and such a unique experience. I say countdown to the Kickstarter campaign for the suit because, uh, they have no plans as of right now to release that or ever make any more than one of them that, that exists now. But I suspect that there will be such a murmur of, of excitement for this thing that, that it will result in a crowdfunded buy yourself a suit for X thousands of dollars. Um, and I would, I would be tempted for sure. Um, (laughs) But yes, you're right. The overall the the showing of PlayStation VR certainly is something that got me very excited. Although I'm sure Christian will bring up the very awkward showing at the press conference of the uh, Tron disc demonstration as uh, evidence that it's not ready for prime time yet. Uh, certainly, that broke my heart seeing them come out and try to demonstrate the the thing during the press conference and everything failed, and it was just uh, you could just tell that these guys were. Not comfortable on stage with that. And, man, pretty bad. But tons of VR games. Rock Band 4 VR announced um, this 100-foot robot golf game, which just looks wacky in the best possible way. Um, all kinds of, of – and then Rez, of course, being the, the crown jewel. I think Rez – you know, when Rez came out, it was – it was uh, compared to Lawnmower Man, right? It was like the game right. that, that looks like you're playing Lawnmower Man. And Lawnmower Man was this very primitive movie in the 90s about being in VR. And now here we are, and it re- it's it's like the full realization of that dream. Um, it just seems like it was meant to be. Christian, rain on my parade.
1: I mean, VR is the future. This iteration is not it. And <laughs> it continues to not be. It's cool. There is nothing not cool about it. But you're not gonna own this you're not gonna well you 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 jeff will own this (laughs) (laughs) and you will wear this but could you imagine walking into a best buy and seeing a mannequin with this thing on and then you feel it and it's like but they've always done weird like the trance vibrator was um on the ps2 and it's great of course it's super immersive and weird and kooky and bizarre but also the videos that people posted of them playing this thing like um friend of the show and enemy in real life Anthony Carboni. Uh, you know he had a funny video of him playing it and like John Drake and uh, who else was there? Like dancing around him as he's doing this thing. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's the it's funny. Yeah. But that's the worst nightmare for VR PR ever. Is you have this thing on and you have no clue what the heck is going on around you? It's terrifying. <laughs> terrifying.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, we're also getting a Psychonauts VR game they announced. (laughs) (laughs) That's exciting. uh...
2: (laughs) Yeah, I have to agree with Christian. I I have been uh, vociferously sort of, not necessarily anti-VR, but VR agnostic at the very least uh, for that reason. And as a lifetime wearer of of glasses, I have a phobia of things that that touch my face. Uh, So there's a lot of obstacles for me for VR and it's just not something I've ever been super excited about. And, that's, and I have to say, even now, I'm not super excited about about this uh, VR, which is more correctly uh, AR, right, augmented reality. Um, I cannot wait. For you know, we were talking earlier about the Echo uh, and Siri, uh, and how that sort of ability to interface with a, with a computer system has, uh, from Star Trek, has come to reality. I cannot wait for actual VR, holodeck style. Right or some equivalent, some real world equivalent to become a reality because that will be fun. That will be awesome. And I think when you have a device that doesn't require people to buy buy something that put that they put on their body, right, and one size fits all, uh, that's really tough for a consumer product. And I think until we're there, uh, VR isn't really going to be the reality that we're all hoping it will be.
0: Well, I've certainly gotten a bunch of tweets this week from people who are at PSX and who had a chance to try it for the first time and are jumping on board the bandwagon with me and uh, people are trying the, the, the cardboard and stuff. I think trying it really does make you want to experience it more. And a lot of people are skeptical because all these games look like mini games or whatever. And yes, the power of it, yada, yada, yada. The truth is maybe this is a baby step to where we're headed, but this is a baby step that I want to take. And I think a lot of people are going to want to take because it, it it, it's truly transformatory it, it's a completely different kind of experience i don't know how the hell uh rock band 4 and vr is going to work but i want to try it <laughs> you know I don't, and especially res i i just cannot wait let me buy it i can let me put pre-order it now i will let me where can i throw my money anyway uh christian the how, I, yeah the know. suit dude the suit yeah yeah make me look a little more dorky the one yeah. that had the lights on it is the <laughs> is the jam too that one was
1: amazing um cool. <laughs> christian how about you uh psx story of the week destiny sparrow mode i feel like destiny has embraced full-on i know it's not necessarily an mmo but like it's like hey we have these sparrows that's their you know um that speeder bikes and now they're doing a full-on racer mode that lasts only for three weeks. It's six races. It's only available in, if you have the Taken King expansion for Destiny. Um, I'm super curious because the trailer, it looks kind of like Wipeout. I love Wipeout. I don't think the Sparrows in-game handle all that well. i can never driving on one thinking, this is a racing game. <laughs> but I'm super curious how it works, and I, I love the idea that Destiny is doing something super weird like this. It, it almost feels like was it Bejeweled? What was the first game they introduced in WoW where it's like, yeah, we know there's some downtime for you. So here, play this other fun game while you're playing this other game. And I love I love stuff like that. And this kind of makes sense in the world but also seems uh, super crazy where, like, the narrative or the thought of destiny in the world, the state of the world in which you live – But, hey, you still got to have entertainment, baby. You know what I mean? Like these guardians, they got to blow off some steam somehow. They got to race them sparrows. Uh, (laughs) uh, I think it's fascinating.
0: I agree with you. I, I think this is the first step to taking it in much more of an MMO direction of this is a world where there's a lot of different things to do rather than just variations on quests that are all the same. Uh, and I, this is kind of what I wanted from Destiny from the beginning. Like, make me feel like it's a world. Make me feel like if I want to, you know, like in World of Warcraft, if I want to go and do, you know, tend my garden for an hour, let me do that. If I want to go, you know, do something that that is only peripherally related, but also impacts my station in that universe. You know, that it, that levels me up or lets me grind toward getting a cooler Sparrow or a, or a different vehicle altogether. Like, make make it a, a wider. Range of activities that I can engage in, and a wider range of rewards that I get from that. I think that is what the MMO world promises, and it's what Destiny has not delivered up to this point. So I'm, I'm all for this as well. Russ, what do you think?
2: You know, I, and this is where I'm going to take off my my uh, mantle of ambivalent man, uh, and my secret identity is as uh, grouchy, angry gamer man. Is going to come out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am so burned on Destiny. Uh, I I I was you know hugely excited for it. Uh, I played the alpha, I played the beta, I got the badges to show it. I bought the PS4 Glacier White Destiny Edition. Right. Wow. I was I was All in the boat. Right. Uh, going down the river, and then I actually played it, and it was uh, it was underwhelming. It, it to me there were a lot of issues. I know the leveling uh, has improved since. Uh, a lot of the experience has improved since. I, I understand it's a much better game. And that would have been uh, a great selling point for me to get back into Destiny if they didn't ask you to spend another however many bucks to, to get the Taken King expansion to be able to access all this new wonderful stuff. Uh, so I'm at the point where I, I, I kind of disagree with Christian. I, the first time I got on a Sparrow, I actually said, wow, this would be cool to race, right? There should actually be race courses for this because it's kind of fun. Uh, and they added in a lot of uh, tweaking, you know, you can different vehicles. I think if they if they can enhance the vehicle tweaking and they want to make that a permanent feature, I think that would be really super cool. Uh, but I'm 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 burned on Destiny. I won't go back.
1: Wow. Pull me once. I, I guess. do? A, yeah, Blow like me a,
2: once. Exactly. I feel
1: bad for that friend you had in fifth grade that accidentally <laughs> stepped on your new Jordans. Cross <laughs> him off the list, Russ. Cross <laughs> him off the list.
2: <laughs> Listen, he talked me into joining the basketball team. He said we were going to be locker room buddies.
1: The <laughs> yeah. first day there, and a new pair of Jordan Tens, and steps right on them. Day one, day one. I don't think so, Destiny. That's,
2: that's <laughs> it. That's it. I didn't pass him the ball the rest of the season. Uh, no, you know, I mean, I'm usually very forgiving with games, but that—that that, to me, my experience playing Destiny was that there was so much they could have done. Uh, and as a as a participant in the alpha and then beta. I felt like you know there's a lot of stuff they were tweaking after launch that 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 they would you know really should have taken advantage of those two pre-game uh, pre-launch uh, windows to work on. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know, I, and maybe I'll forgive them at some point. Uh, maybe we'll have a long heart-to-heart and Destiny will come to me and I'll say, "Hey, <laughs> Russ, I've been thinking about how we broke up, and I just don't, I'm just not comfortable with the way it ended." And I'll have to admit, yeah, Destiny.
1: They make you know, pretty it's... good sneaker cleaner now. I like, did It used to be good. But you can get that scuff out. You can come back and play. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe well, I'll there's
0: a, you have a lot of support in the chat room. It looks like a lot of people are saying that they also felt burned uh, for a half baked game at sixty bucks, and that they didn't want to spend more to have it fixed. You know, we we hear from the other side too of people who are who are daily players. I'm not one of them, but. Um,
1: i feel like and and, sorry go ahead jeff no i was just saying i feel your i feel your pain but what were you gonna say i think a half-baked game for 60 bucks in this day and age is pretty good (laughs) (laughs) that's a game i'm not paying 60 bucks for them to do a quarter of the baking that they said they'd bake and then they add expansions and features that i don't want and then it gets delayed two years (laughs) oh games today right oh games great can i just say that again (laughs) <laughs> yeah. i well
0: they're they just announced the new the dlc for that as well at uh the game awards right the, yep yeah um so clearly my psx game of the week or story of the week was going to be uh a vr as well everybody could have predicted that so i'll use my time here uh to just do quick hits for some of the other stories that i, I would love to get your guys' take on just quickly uh first of all final fantasy 7 remake trailer um looks like it's not just a remake. It, I mean, it is a remake, I guess, is what, what I'm saying. It's not a remaster. It's a... The, it's We're going to tell you this story, but we're going to make it an action game, it, sounds, it looks like. Uh, there's talk of it being multi-part, multi-episodic uh, kind of content, although they're saying each episode is going to be a full-length game's worth of content. Um, is this another example of what we talked about earlier with games that we look back on fondly that... Might not hold up, or is the the fact that they are completely remaking it mean that it's going to feel more like a modern game? What do you think, Russ?
2: You know, I think uh, you know. I think to the extent that nostalgia is a a successful business model, this is right on. I hear from so many people who, for whom you know, Final Fantasy VII is the only Final Fantasy or it was the best game they ever played. Uh, As a website editor, I can't even tell you how many story pitches I would get from people who would want to write about this or that, you know, moment in Final Fantasy seven that, that changed not only, you know, not only their, their, their lives as gamers but their lives period, right? There's there's just so much love for this game. I, I tend to agree. I think I think the acknowledgement that they're going to redesign this game in a way is an acknowledgement that, you know, people love it, people have fondness for it, but the original game is not an experience people are going to accept these days. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Shenmue is in that category. Psychonauts is in that category. All these games where, you know, us old-timers are talking about how great they were. And a lot of these kids are getting excited that these things that they've only heard about are coming back. And it's like, well, you might not
1: uh, appreciate them (laughs) the way we did.
2: Because
0: we didn't have your fancy schmancy Fallouts 4. Anyway. But um, if you put
1: them in VR with a suit,
0: then you're on board. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. How about uh, Uncharted 4's branching dialogue, Christian? Are you... uh, Are you excited for branching dialogue in your Uncharted's?
1: Yes and no. I I trust that they'll do a good story. I don't think it'll be enough to make me want to immediately replay it to see the other way it goes. I I feel like what makes these um, Naughty Dog games strong is their point of view and their narrative. And I don't want an option for a different ending in The Last of Us. I feel like the way Uncharted 2 wrapped up, you know, it it tells its story. So I'm not looking for them to – I would prefer them to have an emotional – through line versus giving me choice along the way so i feel like this is just kind of a hey it's neat but ultimately hollow change to the series i I could be wrong does this make you more interested in it jeff or is it just uh still kind of not your thing
0: i don't know i don't know i I don't think it doesn't seem to me at least based on what they showed that it is going to be wildly branching story points like you, you know it's going to be um, the Witcher, or or anything like that, where oh, there's whole sections of the games that you'll do or not do based on the decision you make. It seems like what order do you tell him that story, you know, or what which game did you play do you, that you remember best that you want to mention now in this part of the game? You know, I, I just feel like it's it's very surface, and that's fine. Like I don't want it, I don't need my Uncharted to be anything other than a very well told cinematic story. So. Yes, interactivity is good, and more interactivity is better, I would say, but any moment... Like, the moment they show in that trailer is him going, tell me what happened, and then he kind of sits there thinking, as you are thinking of what to say, but any other point in that game that doesn't make sense for him to, like, pause dramatically for a while while I make my selection is going to ruin what Uncharted has been, Mm -hmm. you know? I, I think... I was hoping that maybe it would be more like what they do with Mass Effect where you can press it and it sort of just you just kind of do it in the flow and it picks up and it works it in organically and you don't have to you know it doesn't make this weird pause for input moment um, so I want my Uncharted to feel like a movie like it has always felt and I, I don't need interactivity f- you know forced upon it but what do you think Russ?
2: I, I don't know it strikes me as, as uh uh, feature creep uh, and, and in a way kind of like IP creep or I don't know what the phrase I don't know what the equivalent of feature creep for, for an overall IP is and I remember uh, weeks or months ago uh, some of the voice actors uh, going public about some of their disappointment with the directions the story was going for this game Yeah. Uh, I feel like I can't help but feel that there's some uh, lack of direction or some confusion about what Uncharted needs to be moving forward, uh, whether it's, you know, lack of support from the from core fan base or whether they want to alter the formula to make it more of a competitor to something like uh, Mass Effect. But I, I I have a hard time uh, believing that this is going to be a, a good change, uh, but hopefully I'll be surprised. And it's, it's, Man! Ambivalent Man! i will tease
1: this for what we're playing, but it's tough because... Feature creep often is a bad thing. I think like Tomb Raider ones or rebooted Tomb Raider. I was called Tomb Raider. You know what I'm talking about. Tomb Raider's multiplayer felt a little like, eh, and I feel like Naughty Dog's been trying to push multiplayer in their games for a while. The Uncharted 4 beta, which I've been playing, I'll talk about later. And I no, feel like we'll, it's,
0: we'll get to it right now. In fact,
1: oh, okay, but well, go.
0: But even, like, you can finish your thought. But I we'll, feel like it's
1: it's it's pretty good, and so I don't know if it will, this will be a good implementation of choice in Uncharted 4. But at some point. You do want to see feature creep or and, or a series evolve or change. Otherwise, people will be like, oh, great, Call of Duty 2016. It says Call of Duty 2016. It's the Uncharted. It's the new Uncharted. So it's this weird world where we want what we love, but it can't be exactly what we love because then we won't love it. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. So I hope, I hope they nail it, and I hope that this lays the groundwork for Last of Us 2 that, you know, if you have choice in that, oh, my goodness. Siri yeah, just started talking cool. to me. Sorry
0: uh as if as if to make our point about siri right yeah i I said it (laughs) (laughs) all right let's uh let's get to the playlist
2: playlist.
0: christian you want to pick up right there and and start talking a little bit about about the uh multiplayer beta for uncharted 4
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, I've been playing the Uncharted Four multiplayer beta. I really like it. It um, it surprised me in how much I liked it. I feel like the control and is much tighter than the shooting was in the first three Uncharted, um, especially Uncharted Two's multiplayer. I thought was kind of like, "Hey, oh, this is a back of the box bullet point." Uncharted Three, they implemented uh, what were they tokens, uh, where you could unlock little perks for your for while you were playing. If you got enough trophies or whatever it is in the match, you could an instant spawn RPG rocket launcher or whatever. Um, And then this and Uncharted for the multiplayer, they've taken that idea further with everything you do is giving you um, money, in-game currency that when you get in, so a kill, an assist, uh, a heal, you get unlocks for, you can bring in like a sniper and it's an actual person that spawns where you put them and they can roam around and hold a spot down and snipe. And it adds an additional person to the map. That is a support person for you. If you're a healer, you can you know bring in a medic, or you can add. You still have the spawn in RPG, and it's it's really interesting. There are different classes of characters. You know, you can create your own class, of course, too. Um, and the different perks that they have are are different depending on you know how you build out your character. But I think it's a cool a cool add and a cool addition to to multiplayer that makes the series feel fresh in a way that it otherwise wouldn't if it was just here's 20 Nathan Drake's running around shooting at each other in team deathmatch. That I think is the biggest problem. Uncharted multiplayer still has is that you're playing as characters from the, the story. And it just feels weird to see 20 Drake's. (laughs) I don't know why, (laughs) Um, but it, it handles really well. I think hopefully that this is a real beta. It's early enough. There are some balance issues where you can call in. There's a guy, I think it's the assault, the default assault class. You bring in a, uh, he's like, I got a Gatling gun and body armor. And if everyone on your team is that guy or has that perk and they all call in that guy and there's four of those dudes running around, plus the regular four people playing, it doesn't feel right. like they need to either raise the cost of adding that guy or only one per team or something, but hopefully there are tweaks, but for a several months out beta, I think it does. I think it does a lot. Right. And the animation is the other thing. Um, the animation feels, it still looks smooth, but it feels crisper, whereas before in Uncharted multiplayer, they still would commit to the Drake does a jump, lands, stumbles kind of animation that's in the single-player game. And in multiplayer, you're just like, no, turn right. Oh, great. Stumble. Okay. Chuckle. Yeah. Lean against the wall. No, do not lean against the wall, Drake. You're getting blown up. <laughs> but um, you, got, neither of you have checked this out. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. For me. Correct.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and I think you know with The Last of Us, um, people really love that multiplayer, and I think Naughty Dog is is creeping up on having being a very competent multiplayer developer, and I think I think Uncharted 4's multiplayer might surprise some people, or it will end up horribly unbalanced still. But <laughs> but I'm enjoying it.
0: Cool, um, Russ. I want to know what's on your playlist, but first through all the the month of December, we've been asking our guests. Uh, well. You know, only the second time but we're planning to ask all of our guests uh what is your game of the year for 2015 your personal favorite
2: oh are you asking me i am indeed <laughs> well <laughs> that, that the answer to that question and the answer to what i've been playing lately are going to be uh one in the same oh that's uh, convenient that, let's let's transition convenient. yeah it's a great segue well done <laughs> thank you uh, <laughs> uh it's fallout 4 yeah um I have, I'm going to say, just at 150 hours into that so far. Wow. Uh, Epic.
0: And So uh, both... you've uh, you've gotten to Diamond City for the first time.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've gotten to Diamond City. You know, I'm a I'm a Wanderer-type player. Like, I'll explore all the nooks and crannies and get into the side quests. Uh, and, I, you know, I've played enough of the Bethesda games. Like, I have 300 hours into each, the Fallout 3 and New Vegas. Wow. So I've got kind of a sixth sense for... You know where the story is, and which story missions are gonna you know change the game substantially. So, I like to get as much of the side questing in as I can before I really push the the, the story along. Uh, I have an inkling I'm only roughly halfway through the the story, but I actually I, I I don't know. So I'm just kind of trying to parcel it out to myself and and really so, get the most out of that game as I can.
0: So are you doing? I, I have a sense that some of those missions, uh, like the quartermaster mission and stuff, that that they're like infinite. Are they, have you been doing a lot of those side missions that are, that are you know they just give you a new area to clear out or whatever? Or are you just exploring on your own without missions?
2: A little of both. And what's interesting is that not only are there lots and lots of interesting places to explore and actual missions that can come up that are totally off map that no one's going to give you that you just stumble into if you uh, spend a lot of time wandering, which is lovely. Um, but a lot of those missions that, that you get to clear out a space, for example, or to go rescue a, a captive, some of the areas that you clear will repopulate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, some of the areas, if you spend the time to like read people's terminals and read their diaries, uh, they will write about things that you have that you have done as the, as the main character, right? Yeah. Uh, and I found one uh, diary in a terminal that was describing how they had how the people who had reoccupied this place that I had captured, were writing about how they reoccupied it after they heard that the previous uh, occupants had been dealt with, right? Hmm. And so there's this, there's this there's this rich sort of fabric to the world where it's responding in subtle ways to the things that you do. And I don't think it's going to... You know, a lot of people who were uh, critics of Fallout 3 when Bethesda first uh, revamped the franchise, one of the major criticisms was that the world was not as reactive as the worlds of, of the original Fallout and Fallout 2. Uh, and that was a fair criticism. And I don't think that we're, that we're back to that point. I don't think necessarily we will ever get to that point where or a AAA you know, first-person game is going to necessarily be able to be as reactive as, as a uh, RPG of that era. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that that they've built into this game where radio announcers will talk about your exploits and you know, right. characters will dramatically change based on what you do with them. Uh, so it's that you know it's that 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 keeps me playing the game because it feels like the world is responding and there's and there's just no end to the things you can do in
0: it. Well, I've tried uh, repeatedly on this this show to articulate what makes this game special. I think that is as good a job as, as anybody has done. <laughs> That's a, a great a great point to be made. Um, what kind of character are you playing? Are you uh you know wh- where are you putting your points? What what what's the nature of your main hero?
2: Uh, I, you know, I started, ma- I started out maxing luck.
0: Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a, that's
0: the first person I've talked to that it's like that. I, I have put almost zero points in luck. So it's really?
2: Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so fun. And I'm not sure exactly, and I, and I probably should know at this point, uh, but I, I'm not sure exactly in game how, how the system responds to a really high luck score. I know there's a lot of just weird things that, that will happen that will happen differently or you get more of this or that, but what I'm really enjoying are some of the, uh, the perks that you get with a maxed out luck score Um, the ricochet perk is is one of my favorites where every once in a while at random a character's bullet will bounce off of you and it'll make a a ricochet noise and then Mm -hmm. instantly kill them right (laughs) So Uh, (laughs) so you know it comes in handy sometimes uh so i maxed out luck i uh i have added since i've been going i'm at level 52 now i think um very high strength very high agility i'm a i'm going for a sniper sort of a stealthy sniper
0: it's awesome um i'm i'm so curious I, i have such a difficult time putting um points in luck in any game i never all any game that has a luck or equivalent stat i almost always ignore it because i don't see like a a concrete benefit you know it's sort of this very nebulous, you know, ephemeral idea of, well, it'll affect everything in a weird way. Right. And I never have the guts to, like, spend a point on that when I'm like, well, I can actually get more health right now, you know? Um, but I love hearing about that. The mysterious stranger thing I've heard is really cool, too, where this guy just shows up sometimes to help.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've used him in, in other Fallout games. I'm like you. I, I would very rarely do luck. In fact, I would often play uh, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas characters with no no points in luck at all. So knowing that, going into Fallout 4, I, I, I felt like I wanted to give myself a different experience and at least try it out. Um, and so far, it's been fun. Like, I can't put my finger on how it's impacted my play, but I, I can definitely feel like this character is, is is different in some substantial way than other characters I've played. That's
0: awesome. Uh, in the chat room, Stats1 asks what your thoughts are on, on the sort of weird little glitchy bits that we tend to find in bethesda games does it negatively affect your idea of it as a
1: you already put, uh, put a po- positive spin on that's one's question you called it weird little glitchy bits which is downplaying it i would <laughs> call know, it those minor jank very minor and things in jank jank broken code <laughs> and <Yeah>. glitches <laughs> and 10 second load screens to enter a freaking building like I get that it doesn't bother you, but you can't frame a question that called it jank. As <laughs> Russ, what do you think about that stuff that doesn't matter?
0: Is, is my bias showing toward, toward this game?
1: I love sticking this out of your showing? VR suit just a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so jank. What do you say? So, what are your feel feelings on jank?
2: My feelings on jank. Well, I, I tell you, I have. Uh, I'm on record as blasting the, the the quote Bethesda jank, and I think the, the hardest I've been on them for it was uh, was in New Vegas, and it wasn't entirely uh, up to them. Although depending on depending on which development team you ask, it was either all Bethesda's fault or, or all Obsidian's fault. But uh, New Vegas had lots of jank, yeah, uh, and it really bothered me, and it affected my review score at the time. Um, so come, but I still put 300 plus hours into that game, so. Uh, knowing that, I've experienced significantly less jank in Fallout 4. Uh, it's still there, uh, but I feel that it's less impactful now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I just overall, think Bethesda I mean, put I mean, all of
1: their stats into luck too, and you guys are just, <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yes, the, the,
2: I think the the worst, the most egregious example I could think of is when I was watching, and you'll you'll get to a certain point in the game where uh, the Brotherhood of Steel is much more prominent, uh, and they'll just be in the world randomly. And much like uh, enemies, you know raiders and, and monsters will fight each other, Brotherhood of Steel will, will show up and be fighting various people and they're giant birds. And I'm watching the brother and, and I don't just watch. Like I just love to just, just sort of seeing how it's going to evolve. And I was watching a, a Brotherhood of Steel vertebird take out some group of Raiders. Uh, and then they finished the battle and the vertebrae went to fly off and flew right into a mountain and disappeared. <laughs> right. Whoops. And that I can still has hear whole, it. has
0: a magic cave in it. Guys.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Mount Weathertop that the, the department of defense has where this yeah. uh, the vice president. Yeah. But it, and, you know, and I could still hear it and it actually flew right underneath me as I was standing on this mountain. Uh, <laughs> and that was a little janky, but, yeah. uh, but fun. I think I've. At this point, I've swallowed the Kool Aid. I've accepted that there's going to be a certain amount of jank, and as long as it doesn't directly impact my play to a point where I can't proceed or I can't finish a mission, then I'm fine.
0: I'm super annoyed when the Brotherhood of Steel shows up and the person I'm talking to gets freaked out and starts addressing, like getting into combat pose. I'm like, no, just finish the conversation. (laughs) Just finish the conversation we're having. (laughs) Uh, And then you have to reinitiate the conversation. And then there's like a bad guy who's just wandering by and he's like, oh, no, we're fighting now. And it's like, oh. Um, awesome. Anything else on your playlist that you want to mention quickly?
2: Uh, you know, I've been playing that silly uh, cat game on iOS, Niko Atsumi. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just a fun game. It's free to play. Uh, you don't have to spend a dime on it if you want to. And you basically set up a, a cat garden in your backyard with cat toys and, uh, and food for the little kitties. It's, um, it's ridiculous. And, and, you know, every time I have a couple of minutes free and I'm, I'm not doing anything and I have my phone... I check on my kitties and I take little pictures of them. Uh, it, it's I, I can't explain why this game is so engrossing. It's not the type of game I would ordinarily enjoy, but it's it's got its hooks in me.
0: Yeah, I hear about it constantly from Carboni. He's always playing... Nico Atsumi is what is it's called.
1: Is it Americanized yet? Because for a time yes. people were playing it, like when Garnet, I think, was playing it, it was Japanese only.
2: No, it is fully Americanized, so all the little kitties now have American names. Mm. Uh, the text is all in English.
1: Well, enjoy the rest of the show, suckers. I will see you later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, 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 before you go. Well, actually, I'm going to do mine first, and then we'll, yeah, go yeah, yeah, and then we'll hit Siege. Uh, Just Cause 3. I've been playing Just Cause 3, as I promised last week. Um, I was not a fan of Just Cause 2, but I'm excited about Just Cause 3, mostly because I really liked Avalanche's take on Mad Max. I thought that game was phenomenal and really underrated um and just cause 3 you know when you're playing it is really fun it's a ridiculous story i mean story is even too strong a word to call it it's it's this weird cartoon world where you are uber powered and nothing matters except you and you can you know treat the npcs in any way you deem which is, means mostly blowing them up if you love explosions <laughs> just cause 3 delivers them in spades and it's the chaos, the level of chaos, the, the playground of physics that you get to mess with, with this cool tether, where you can tether one thing to another and then pull them together. Uh, it, it's just really, really fun. Zany, wacky, the number of things that you can acquire, the number of different weapons and vehicles, and the things that you can blow up, and how you blow things up, all of that top-notch. It looks great when things explode, the level of destructibility is very satisfying, leaping out of something from miles up and seeing this grand vista of this massively beautiful island, you know, wingsuiting suiting out of a jet airplane down into a parachute to rocket launcher an entire uh, oil refinery to Oblivion. All of that is very satisfying and, and very fun. But the game is mired in a d- very terrible problem, and that is it makes the loading times for Fallout seem like split second.
1: What are, what are you playing on?
0: PS4. Okay. Playing on PS4. I'm, I'm told the PC version is much better in this regard, but it is it makes the game nearly unplayable. It makes the game so frustrating to me uh, that I don't want to play it. It does that thing that a lot of modern video games do, which is really cool, which is a cutscene will be in-engine and will end as the camera swoops into position and lands right where a game perspective would be so that it'll pick right up and you can just start playing in a seamless transition from cutscene to play but in this game as soon as it lands in that position you cut to black and you're sitting at a loading screen and then you're back (laughs) to the where you would have a seamless transition but you just sat at a loading and the loading screens are I, I can't understand the decision that they made to make the loading screen a giant black screen with a tiny logo on the bottom right that you know that shows you an indicator that slowly fills up. It's it's a giant black screen. There's nothing on it. At least in Fallout, you're looking at some interesting 3D models that you can manipulate. Um, you know, it's nothing, but it's, at least it's something. Um, which is a sentence that doesn't make any sense. But you know what I'm saying.
1: Um, <laughs> is this too big? Is the world like too big? Draw like is this should have been a PS5 Xbox? What's I the don't next know. Xbox going to be called? I don't even know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even uh, know what it is. Um, One hundred. I don't know. The, I mean, is it too big? Too much? Too soon? Should they have just done Just Cause two, but at sixty well, it's frames at ten eighty p?
0: It's amazing that we have this massive world that I can, you know, I can be miles up and then fall to the ground, and it's all and there's stuff happening and people running about, and I can blow st- all of that is is astounding. It's it's quite satisfying to play what is a the most massive playground in gaming it's it's this giant world that is just there for you really you you only you feel like the only important person in that world and whatever you want to do to it is a-okay with everybody but maybe it is too big because if the trade-off is that i have to sit for so long i know it's a maybe a petty thing to complain about but it the game, um, so many of your upgrades are earned by completing these challenges and the challenges can be pretty difficult at certain points and it, you get into, you know, you activate a challenge by going to a point on the map and then you're in sort of challenge mode and you can attempt the challenge numerous times and you press X to retry. But if you press X to retry at the end of a challenge, you sit there and wait for like <laughs> five minutes for it to load. It is, it makes failing a challenge so frustrating and you know i'm on record as saying that some of the things i hate the most are uh timed things in the the game times everything everything is timed in this game for some which i think is the laziest way to add tension to anything i think if there was a better way you know i trigger something in a base and then all of a sudden an arbitrary timer comes up on the on the screen that says you have to do three other things in a minute and a half and it's like well that's not a. That's annoying, but it's it's not nearly as annoying as if I fail to do it, having to retry it and wait five minutes at the loading screen. It, really, my only criticism of this game is the loading screens are just insufferable. It's that's unfortunate. Stinks.
1: I wonder, I yeah, I wonder that, if that's
0: patchable. I hope so. I hope so.
2: I don't think that's petty, Jeff. Like I think that's in a way, I feel like that's the polar opposite of, of where we're at with, with the loading screens and, and jank and and fallout. When I'm playing Fallout Four, I know it's like walking into Target. I know I'm not going to get out in less than an hour, and I'm going to, you know, spend way more than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, instead of so wait, so to know that I'm sinking, you know, three to four hours at a drop every time I go into the game, waiting a couple minutes on a load screen. It's not that big, you know, it's not a substantial uh, percentage of my time. But in a fun game that's supposed to be, you know, zippy and actiony, and and you know, you enjoy every minute in it, which is that just cause formula. To to experience that long of a wait time just completely destroys it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the games where I can retry something and I'm immediately back into it, like, um, oh, um, oh, my brain's not working. What's the mo- the t- the side-scrolling motorcycle game where you're flipping around? Uh, they did a million iterations of that's super hard. Uh, trials. Uh, trials, yeah, Trials. Trials. Yeah, <laughs> trials. <Excitebike. laughs> uh, yeah trials. Trials is, is so great about that. Like, I push a button and I'm immediately back trying it again. Now, of course, that's a, a level of scale that's not comparable to Just Cause 3, but the point is it makes a game not frustrating when I'm immediately back and I don't have to, it doesn't, there's no punishment for failing. It's just, give it another shot, man, go for it. And here, it, it, the load screens feel punitive. They
1: really do. Um, yeah, anyway, Christian, that, tell me uh, about uh, Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six Siege. Excuse me. Um, I think people will really, really like this game. That being said, it is not. It is not for me. Um, so some negatives, and then I'll say things that I think people will like and why maybe it wasn't for me. Um, I, I think graphically, it is not pretty at all. It's it's hard to go from like Tomb Raider, Destiny, Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, and for a game that is not Fallout Four scope, um, you know Fallout Four the faces look awful. But you're like, well, it's, it, I'm, I'm playing in a world bigger than the United States, or you know whatever it is. <laughs> you're like, I'll, I'll look past that. This is a multiplayer only. There are single player challenges that are like AI populated. They're kind of um, tutorials to some extent, and then you can play things with um, AI that the AI I don't think is great. But this game is is mostly a, it's a multiplayer game and uh graphically I, I was playing it on playstation 4 i was disappointed it, it did not or coming off of call of duty 2 it just did not impress graphically and if you saw the trailer for the, the reveal of the game at eve 3 the, the basic of the game is you know good guys versus bad guys one person is defense um setting up in this house or whatever and the other team is trying to break in and kill all the other people and rescue hostages defuse a bomb you know whatever whatever but the the basic scenario is you're in a building and one team has to try to out, hold down the fort and kill all the other people and the other team has to smash in and kill all the people and it, it is intentionally going for this stressful situation because in a lot of game shooters you're able to find a corner and you know your viewpoint and you know you're safe this game has clearly obvious destructible environment like a window covered by plywood or whatever and you're like well someone's going to bust that in but then there are also walls that the first time you're playing you don't know that someone's going to bust through that wall and take you out <laughs> uh you never you never feel safe and it's it rewards planning up top uh it rewards working with a team of people that you know and trust and communicating with, e- with each other playing with randoms i found to be excruciatingly annoying more than anything else because you're not going to win this as John Wayne or Dirty Harry. Like you you just don't. Um, And I I just found that level of, of stress sitting there in this, of this match, not fun, but I know some people love it. So I'm not saying it's, it's a, it's a bad game. It is just not for me. I I also think that this game is a little hollow and shallow in terms of, you know, like the battlefront um, syndrome of just, is this multiplayer enough at $60? I don't think it is. Um, I think that if this were a mode on another game, it would make that other game game of the year, if that makes sense. Like if this were Uncharted's multiplayer or whatever, like what it does, if you like this stress and that agonizing situation of like, oh crap, our defenses aren't good at all. We got to hold on. We got to hold on. We held on. We won. Um, If you like that tension, it does it really, really well. But as a standalone game, I think it will become thin very quickly. And I think the the user base will move on to games that offer more. And then as a personal note for me when I was playing this, um, it was the day after in the United States there was a, a, a mass shooting, a terrorist act in San Bernardino, which is in Southern California. And I have thoughts that I can get into with people not on a video game podcast about all of that stuff. But I was not in a headspace where I wanted to be sitting here playing this game. Um, So I need to say that to the people listening as well, that that very much could have impacted my thoughts and feelings on this game. It it feels realer. Uh, You're breaking in. It's a house, and there's a woman and a man and a family being held hostage by terrorists, and you're a SWAT team trying to come in and rescue them. That felt wrong to me to be playing versus Destiny where I'm going to shoot up some big, giant, glowy thing. So yeah. take that and yeah. let that Fair color play. your impressions I gave um, accordingly. Yeah,
2: that's actually all right, so really, that- I'm sorry, I just, I just wanted to throw in. I've actually talked to, uh, I'm close with a lot of people over at Red Storm and I've, and I've dealt with the, the Tom Clancy franchises uh, at Ubisoft a great deal. And that's something that I think, I know for a fact, they all internally uh, struggled with the franchise's claim to fame is is it's you know utter realism in regards to to these types of uh encounters and these types of world events and i think what you what you experience, christian is is uh is is very is a very real thing and i think the 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 darker you know the darker things that happen in the world the more these events come to affect us at home the harder it is uh for them to sort of sell those experiences uh in video games and it's a it's an interesting challenge. I know I've talked to them on the video game development side, as people who you know are, make, are making entertainment within this franchise. Uh, they struggle with it themselves, um, but it's really interesting to hear you uh, uh, describing that from a player's point of view as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I can only imagine <laughs> how the weird position they must be in. But yeah, for me too, it's hard. It's hard to find that fun when it's too close to home sometimes. And sometimes, yeah, I just want to go and shoot aliens or something. (laughs) Um, All right, guys. On that note, let's uh, carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Time, time. Right now. Right now. Time, Time. Time. First of all, in Tabletop Time this week, I want to read an email that was sent to us from Ken. Uh, This just made me smile, so uh, I I thought I'd share this with everybody. Ken says he wanted to write in and share how he proposed to his fiance over the Thanksgiving weekend using a board game. and He also wanted to thank us since uh, Tabletop Time was a big influence on why he started playing designer board games over the past year. So here's what he wrote. Uh, my best friend was the first to suggest I propose by playing a board game. I took the idea right away, but had to figure out which game would work best. That's when I remembered Sheriff of Nottingham and the small pouches that would be perfect to slip the ring in. We've talked about Sheriff of Nottingham on this show before. It's a bluffing game where you have to you call people out. They, they Christian and I, talked about playing it together. Uh, you you put cards in a in a in an actual physical sack, and people will accuse you of being dishonest about what you're trying to smuggle in. And then, uh, if you, if you reveal and you were telling the truth, uh, you get points. If you reveal and they called you out and you were correctly wrong, uh, the correct, they were correct in you being a liar, then, uh, they get benefit from it. Okay. So picking that up, Uh, although I grew concerned that she would grab the bag, uh, that she might accidentally feel a ring, So instead, I decided I would make my own contraband card for the game so that when she saw it, she would know I was about to propose. On the night of the proposal, I volunteered to be the sheriff first, which made my girlfriend the last person to be sheriff. And since we had five people playing it, it meant on her second turn, I would slip the custom card into her bag. Of course, I had to decide how I wanted to play the game so that on her second turn, she wouldn't trust me and check the bag. (laughs) I didn't really have a contingency plan if she did believe me. I decided I would try to get away with something on almost every turn except for one. And if I wasn't caught, I would make sure everyone knew I had lied. On the second to last turn of the game, I began to get nervous. I strategically placed the fake card into my hand without her noticing, and I waited. Finally, on her last turn, I swiftly slipped three cheeses into the bag and the fake contraband and boldly declared that I had four cheeses. She looked me in the eyes and said, I don't believe you and threw the bag back at me. For a moment, my heart sank. Why did she give me back the bag if she didn't believe me, I thought. I quickly clarified with her, and realizing her mistake, she took the bag back from me to check it. A moment of relief as she opened my bag, but as she pulled out the cards, my heart jumped right back up into my throat. As she looked through the cards, a smirk appeared on her face as she saw the red outline of the contraband card, but her expression soon turned to quizzical as she noticed the card was different from the others'. As she reread the card a second time, she realized what was about to happen and covered her face in shock. When she peeled her hands away to look at me, I got down on one knee, pulled out the ring, and asked her to marry me. She said yes. Hope you guys have a great holiday. I know I will. Pretty cool story, Ken. I would consider that, for sure, a story of glory. So, uh, congratulations, and what a cool way to propose.
1: But also, yes, yes. Mirroring all of that, seconding all of that. But also, I love the way that you propose to spend your life with someone in a game that's built around lying? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. For sure. Yeah. It's smart. <laughs>
0: Very cool. Congrats, Ken. Okay. Uh, I have to tell you guys about a board game that I played this weekend. I thought it was going to be an easy choice for me to pick my board game of the year because Pandemic Legacy came out this year and then I played Time Stories Uh, guys, uh, it's T-I-M-E stories. I am inclined to just tell everyone within the sound of my voice to rush out and buy this game right now and don't even listen to me again. Just get four people, get three other people with you, sit down and play Time Stories and have an incredible time. But the only caveat is that you only get to play this game once. (laughs) So make it it right. So some people may not think of it as uh, a good value for your money because it's a $50, 60 game I think you can get it for 35 on some sites but you only get to play it one time <laughs> but I will I profess that this one time of playing this board game is better than five times of playing another board game. It is one of the greatest experiences I've ever had on a tabletop. Allow me to explain. So, Time Stories is actually a console. <laughs> it's not even a board game. It's a board game system. It's a console that you plug other g- stories into. So, you bu- you're buying Time Stories, and then the first game that you get with it is called The Asylum. And they're releasing other games, basically decks of cards. They call this game a uh, deck exploration game. So, The Asylum is the first sort of story, the first complete quest that you do with time stories. And there's other ones there. There's a, uh, the asylum like takes place in the 1920s in an insane asylum, but there's one that the other one that's out right now is, um, is, uh, Oh, my brain's not working. What is it? Um, Oh, it's like walking dead. It's like a, a zombie game. Um, so there's that. And then there's going to be like a, a, medieval sword and sorcery game. And then there's going to be one that takes place in Egypt. The idea of this game is that you are, you're kind of like quantum leap agents. You're, you're time cops that leap into the body of people in the past and control them and try to solve some sort of time anomaly while inside these vessels. They call them receptacles. So you're leaping back in time. You're taking the, you're taking the body of these characters that are existing in that world and you don't know why you're leaping back, just like Quantum Leap. You don't know why you're in that time. You have to figure out what the time anomaly is and then solve it. And you're, you have only a certain amount of time units to spend. The longer it takes for you to wander around that world and figure out what the problem is and try to solve it, the more time units are tick, tick, ticking. And once they hit the end, you get pulled back into the future back into the time pod that sh- that shot you back in time and you're back in the future. Then you can re-leap back into the past. You can leap into a different body this time. You can play as a different character. But you're experiencing the same world, the same locations, the same story. But now you're armed with all of the information that you got the first time around. So maybe you'll do things differently this time. Maybe you know not to go down that Corridor, or talk to that person, or maybe you know the quickest way to get to another place to save you some time units on this go round so you can try things out differently. And you're you have all that information, like a cool time traveler does. And the way this game plays, you guys, is like a board game equivalent of Myst or like an old Sierra style adventure game. So You go to a location and it's a cooperative game. So you're playing with up to four people and you're all deciding to go to this location together and you're all working together, trying to get information and communicate that information to each other to try to figure out what's going on. You go to a location and then you lay out these cards that fit together on the board in a tableau. There's art on the back of the cards that, that fits together to show this like panoramic vista of where you are. And you can go into each of those cards, like each one of the players gets to decide which of the cards, which corner of the room or which area of the outdoor panorama you are going to. And then you read the back of that card, which tells you information or gives you an encounter or maybe you get into a fight in that little part of the corner of the room or whatever it is. And each of you communicates what's happening in your section of that area to each other. And you try to make decisions on how to move around or get things or acquire items. And you're picking up items that you can use in other areas. You are solving puzzles. The puzzles in the asylum are brilliant, are interesting. This game is
1: incredible, you guys. But do you like it? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it, it's it's what I've all honestly, you know, I've talked about D&D a lot on the show and I love Dungeons and Dragons. I love it. I've played it for years. I've DM games. I've many many I- adventures that I cherish. This game, Time Stories, is what I've always wanted D&D to be. Mm. It is it is wow. in being inside a story that is well crafted, it gives me tons of freedom. It, it's really cool puzzles. It's actually engaging my mind to think. I'm figuring stuff out. I'm rolling dice when I get into combat to do certain things. We played... We started playing at, I think, about 2 o'clock. I got home at 10.30pm. Now, that's a lot longer than a lot of people have reported playing this first adventure, but we we took our time. We did a lot of things uh, that, that we probably shouldn't have, and we also... We also got stuck on a puzzle that the solution of which turned out to be so brilliant and so fun when we finally discovered it. There were a couple of times, I'm not exaggerating, where I got up and started yelling and high-fiving everybody in the room because we figured something out.
1: Like How drunk were you? Well, a little bit. But, you know, that's, that's part of
0: the fun. No, no, honestly, everybody was having – we all left there g- saying this is one of the best nights of gaming we've ever experienced. And we, we can't wait to play the next adventure. There's two more lined up that haven't been released yet. But the next one... So the cool thing is that each of these adventures is designed by a different designer, has a completely different art style. So this next one is like Walking Dead, and it's got this cool comic booky art style. But the one we played, the Asylum, it's got this kind of painterly, very beautiful, um, authentic-looking art style. Uh, so it, this really is a system upon which they're layering numerous adventures. And it feels like being in one of those cool, old mist type games, but doing it in a group over a table and need, really requiring teamwork in order to solve the experience. It's um, it's amazing. It's it's called times time stories. T period I period M period E period stories, and uh, I urge you guys to 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 try it. The problem is, that once you go through it, you can never do it again, right? Cuz you know the puzzles, you know the thing. I mean, I guess if you waited a couple of years or something and you forgot, but it's an amazing example of <laughs> so so you go back and you're doing these things you, 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 over and over, right? Cuz you're we 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 ended up going back in time four tries before we finished it. And you're trying to do it in as few trips back in time as possible. But it, it does this amazing thing where it simulates what it must be like to be a time traveler. Because we would get to a situation where we're, you know, a, a ways in on one of our times. And we'd go, wait, did we do that this time or last time? Do we talk to that guy on this trip or was that two trips ago? Uh, wait, wait. Which 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 door leads to the thing and which door leads to the other thing? I can't remember. It's it's like it shows you how pers- uh, actually how fallible the human memory is, which is pretty amazing in and of itself. But also how like difficult it must be to be a time traveler. Uh, it's a really cool simulation of that. The adventure is clever and interesting. The story is rich and cool. The fights are compelling and fun. The game is smarter than us at almost every turn. There were times where we thought we had it all figured out and it would. We would reveal a card, and the game would totally have trolled us. It would be like, yeah, you thought this was smart, right? No, you're wrong. It just... It's an incredible
1: experience. Uh, It's interesting. I I no doubt can tell that you loved it. But the things you described... I don't know, man. Like, sitting there not being able to find out the thing of a puzzle, and then being like, oh, it was there! There was that! Uh... I'd be like, oh, I'm frustrated, let's move on. But that's <laughs> that's oh, my maybe. attention span versus yours. But um, I'm curious how, like, two months from now that this experience is done, or like even a year from now, like, um, does replayability trump experience? One I don't know, it's interesting, That's right? the question, right? right. It, it, that's, that's
0: the it. only knock against this game is that you, you only get one shot. Now, the cool thing, too, is that the box is built in such a way where there's an insert... That you, that's inside the box that allows you to save the game so if you don't finish it in one sitting if you don't have five hours to sit there and do it you can literally the way you put the pieces back in the box will save the game for you so you can pick up where you left off so that's pretty clever in and of itself actually
1: yeah interesting
0: it's remarkable and and um I I, I, I can't recommend it higher it's it's not like anything else I've played on a tabletop. It really isn't. It feels more like being inside uh, a choose-your-own-adventure, but like the best possible one. Um, it's so cool. So so cool.
2: I'm intrigued. I like you. I've my, my favorite experience is playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I've I, I've been playing D and D since I was eight. Uh, since actually original D and D, AD and D. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite experiences. Are the ones with a really good DM with a really compelling story. I remember playing Ravenloft, which had a, an amazing uh, story, just really unique. And it was less, you know, less about the, the 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 combat and the adventuring than about being a part of that interesting story. So I think I'm actually sold on this. I'm going to give it a try.
0: I would love to hear what you think of it, Russ, because it, it it's a special experience. I recommend playing it with four people if you can. It plays two, three, or four, but I think it's Best with the with the maximum, and uh, you know I think the game is just it's it's so smartly done. It's got really cool decisions, and the story is so well delivered. It's um, it's everything I want out of that kind of experience. The the puzzles are rad. I wish I could talk in detail about because the coolest thing is like it's got all that stuff we're talking about from D and D of being inside the story, but it's got this added layer of going back and doing it again and being able to try something different or having this cool informational layer that you didn't have the first time around so you ran out of time because you went down the wrong doorway so you know okay we're not going to go down that doorway but wait we got something at the end of it that we could maybe have used over here so maybe you know it's this wonderful discussion of what is important and now we know these cool things and maybe we shouldn't have killed that guy dude we sat around (laughs) and talked for probably 20 to 30 minutes wow. about whether or not we should have killed a guy. Because we did two two times in a row where we killed this man right away, and we're like, what if we just weren't supposed to kill that guy? What if that guy is, is super vital? And then we're like, no, 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 we definitely should have killed that guy. It's that kind of discussion. In fact, I, I videoed it on my iPhone, so maybe I'll put it up somewhere, because it's ridiculous. But that kind of thing it's an experience that is just impossible in any other medium than b- board games or tabletop games. It's just, it's a magical thing where you and your friends are passionately arguing about this abstract fantasy concept. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, again, that's called time stories. And, um, I couldn't be more excited about it. I, I will be anxiously play the next one and all of them probably. All right, that's gonna do it uh, for this episode. Actually, we're at the end of the episode. We do have our parting gift coming uh, up, so stay tuned for that. But Russ Pitts, thank you so much for being here, man. I'm so so grateful to talk to you. This is really cool.
2: Thank you for having me. It was absolutely my pleasure.
0: Yeah, how can people uh, keep up with your stuff uh, if they're so inclined?
2: Well, sure. Uh, I'm very active on Twitter, so at Russ Pitts on Twitter uh, for all things Take This. You can follow Take This org uh, at Take This o-r-g on twitter uh take this dot o-r-g is our is our take this website and uh if you want to just keep up with what i'm doing personally my website is falsegravity.com
0: very cool christian how about you what do you got going on this week
1: Thursday is uh, improv versus standup at UCB Franklin. If you are in Los Angeles, uh, come out to that. And also, I should say it was awesome. I was in uh, San Francisco. There's a, a rad um, alt show at called Cynic Cave at last week last weekend video in the Mission in San Francisco. I was did that last weekend. And it was cool seeing uh, some DLC listeners and fans there chatting and, and hanging out. If you're ever in San Francisco, Cynic Cave is every Saturday, and it's a it's a great intimate little show. Um, So thanks for people that came out and said hi. And Thursday is improv versus stand-up. UCB, Twitter, at Spicer. Um, Easiest way to get in touch with me. Cool.
0: Very cool. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Um, Also have other shows you can check out, including We Have Concerns at wehaveconcerns.com, which is a comedy science show, only 20 minutes, three times a week. Uh, The Slash Filmcast, which is at slashfilmcast.com. will be talking this week about Room which is a movie that, uh, wow, hard to watch, but pretty impressive. And um, also uh, Tomorrow Daily, which is the uh, tech show that I do on CNET now, tomorrowdaily.com. Check that out. The Thursday episodes are longer, but the, the daily episodes of Tomorrow Daily are short, bite-sized stuff that will get you up, up to date on cool tech stuff. All right, guys, uh, let's wrap the show up with our parting gift. Russ, do you have a, a parting gift for the people?
2: I do have a parting gift, and it's not uh, for this week. It's actually for a couple weeks out, but I want to make sure people know about it. It's our Take This Holiday Fundraiser stream of uh, We do it every year between Christmas and New Year's, and it's, a, it's actually a gift for people who struggle with seasonal affective disorder, something to look forward to, to join us for 36 full hours, join us and our friends. Last year, actually, Anthony Carboni was a part of the uh, stream. Oh, awesome. Uh, a huge roster of guests, In this year we're, we have donation items, we've we've received, uh, I want to say close to $10,000 in uh, auction items that we're going to be auctioning away during the stream. Uh, all of this is to raise money for Take This Org, but specifically our scholarship fund. We're going to be awarding yearly scholarships to folks who can't afford to pay for the mental health care so that they can uh, help pay for the care that they need uh, take this slash stream is where you can go to find out all the information about that. It's uh, December 28 and 29 and uh, we hope you guys can join us for it.
0: Very cool. Take this slash stream. Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift?
1: It's a question to the audience. Um, I don't know if we're on our subreddit. Uh, someone posted, uh, Mr. Kelso posted, stop playing games with guns after um, I was tweeting out reactions and thoughts and feelings. Um, about all of that stuff, which you can find and read, and I'm happy to share with you <laughs> offline if you are so inclined. Um, and it was interesting, you know, it's it just kind of the thought is if you are anti-gun and whatever, whatever, how do you can you play these types of games? And I replied in there saying I've thought about it, I've wrestled with it. Rainbow Six Siege certainly made me question it even more, and I'm certainly open to it. I'm open to the idea, I'm open to the challenge. Uh, I'm curious what our audience and listeners think and how they personally deal with that um, separation of entertainment and reality and whether or not they think that it would help to make a statement to not play those types of games and only play Rocket League or, you know, NBA 2K or whatever. Um, So I'm curious what your personal take is on that, listeners, and how you – what the line is for you and if you think um, as a podcast if this show would be better served by me not playing those games and what perspective that might bring to the discussion so I want to get your feedback on that and your take. You can leave it in the subreddit on the post, Stop Playing Guns with Games, or also you can just reach out to me on Twitter, and um, I'd love to hear your your thoughts and feelings.
0: Very cool. Also, you can always send us emails to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing your input there as well. Um, a lot of discussion on this podcast this week from me about uh, load times and how much I hate them. I did something about it or I tried to. Uh, I uh, read an article on Polygon this week about how adding an external SSD drive through USB 3.0 to your Xbox One will drastically reduce the load times for Fallout 4. So I hopped on the the old Amazon and ordered myself an SSD drive. Uh, didn't take much. I was dealing with Just Cause at that point on PS4 And was wishing that there was a similar solution for PS4 There may be, and if you know of one, please let me know But I will tell you about my Experience with the SSD drive, first of all I ordered the wrong one, so don't Don't fall into that trap Uh, I saw the cheapest And best looking one on Amazon Was a 250 gig Samsung SSD, which arrived Promptly the next day from Amazon I plugged it in and Xbox One's minimum requirement is 256 gigs So I was just six gigs short. So that was frustrating. Uh, But uh, then I returned that and got a 500-gig drive. Uh, So a little more expensive than I was hoping to spend, but at this point I was sort of pot committed. Um, But I will report that having an external SSD drive uh, connected through USB 3.0 to Xbox One does indeed have a palpable effect on load times for Fallout 4. It's super easy, actually. You plug it in, the Xbox One formats it correctly. You can move uh, your games over to that. You can set it as the default download location and save game location from that point on. Uh, it makes it all very, very easy. And once I started playing Fallout 4, you can see the comparison videos on the on the Polygon article if you want to look at that. But uh, you know, it's one thing looking at comparison videos, and the other is how it feels. And uh, I wanted to find out how it feels. It does feel faster. So um, I think it's I think it's something I can heartily recommend. Uh, it's not cheap. But um, you know, I think it, it actually does improve the experience quite a bit. So a way to make your save or your uh, load times—if you happen to be playing on Xbox One, which I am—for uh, Fallout 4 shorter. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, thank you to Russ Pitts and Christian Spicer and Maggie and Hattie and Dan. And uh, really, you know, I I don't. Uh, thank Sean Madigan nearly enough he's the guy that does all the music for the show I should thank him in every episode thank you Sean and his wife for doing all the music for the show uh, thank you to everybody that hung out in the chat room you guys always add insight and uh, love having you live here on the show on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific time thank you to downloading the show folks as well you guys make the show possible we appreciate it hope we'll see you live in uh, in San Antonio on January 29th in, uh, for PAX South We are going to be on Friday at noon or 1230, I should say, in the Falcon Theater. Uh, But we will be back next week for more gaming goodness. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.